a cannabis industry publishing company that started in a jail cell? In today's episode, you'll hear this incredible story and meet the magazine's trailblazing CEO. Tell me, boy, you make me so bored. You need to walk the other way. I tell you once more. Welcome back to Women Leading in Cannabis, where we go deep and get real with the pioneering women shaping today's cannabis industry. You can find us on the PodConnects Network, on iTunes, Spotify, and Pandora. If you like what you hear, subscribe to Women Leading in Cannabis. I'm your host, Kira Reed. I'm here today with Christina Giovanni. Welcome to the show, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Christina is the CEO of The Emerald Magazine, and she is an award-winning marketer and corporate media executive with long-standing experience in print and digital publishing. Following an experience of civil injustice, Christina launched The Emerald as a media outlet to advocate for the positive uses of cannabis and its decriminalization. She's spoken at numerous conferences and expos and has established The Emerald as a nationally recognized brand that is a trustworthy ally and voice for the cannabis industry. I can absolutely second that. The Emerald has become a real institution in the industry and a true ally for women and people of color. And it's so wonderful to have you here for a conversation with women leading in cannabis, Christina. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be here. And you are a leader in the cannabis space as well. You know, I mean, I know that we've only connected recently, but I feel like I've known about you for years and years. Ditto, which is why I'm super excited to have a conversation with you. So you had an experience of civil injustice. Was that the beginning of your story in cannabis? And then how did you go from marketing to launching one of the most important publications in the industry? Give us your backstory. Yeah, you know, it's funny when I think about it. I think my my real cannabis journey began when I pro- probably was a freshman in high school. I, I got caught smoking cannabis. And um, by my sophomore year of high school, I was sent to an all-girls boarding school in New Jersey because I would not stop smoking. Um <laughs> Oh, no. I remember, uh, you know, my parents used to raid my room every time I'd leave the house. Um, I remember one time my dad threatening to put me in rehab because I wouldn't stop smoking cannabis. It's very funny where we ended up today. Um, But yeah, so I went to college at Humboldt State University in Northern California in an area called the Emerald Triangle, which I always like to ask people when I meet them in the cannabis industry, have you heard of the Emerald Triangle? Because I'd say maybe half the people know about it and the other half are unfamiliar with it, which always gives me a little bit of a chuckle because it's got such a a long history with the cannabis industry. I mean, you know, the 60s and 70s in Northern California were a very special time. And a lot of people moved even farther north after, after that and to, you know, just be in peace and to grow their cannabis and to live amongst each other, um, live amongst themselves. Um, in the Redwood Forest, which is a beautiful area. So I went to Humboldt State University. I got my degree in journalism. And during my last semester of college, my partner at the time, who was a cultivator, 
was profiled on an Amtrak train and he wasn't arrested, but they did search his luggage without a warrant and they found currency in his bag. So they seized that and they called law enforcement in Humboldt County and they said, go to this individual's house. We just caught him on a train with money. There's probably something else going on. So I wake up to a very abrasive cop knock at my front door, must have been at 8 8 a.m. sharp. And it's the entire Humboldt County Drug Task Force standing in my my front lawn, bulletproof vests on, guns drawn. And they were, you know, I think the term is like a cop knock or something like that. Um, And, and, you know, they, they talk to you, they ask you questions. And then quickly he was like, I smell fresh growing cannabis. I, you know, I have the right to enter and we weren't growing any cannabis. Um, They didn't find any cultivation going on at the house. Um, In fact, they actually just detained me for about five hours until they had a judge actually sign the warrant. Uh, and then they, oh. the other place they had left to look was the attic. We did have some money in the attic. So I was apprehended. I went through nine months of court, uh, which, which was life changing. Um, you know, it was a big, it was a big experience for me. And, and I certainly walked away with a little bit of PTSD from it. Uh, but you know, while I was sitting in jail, the, the day I was arrested, I said, you know, my civil rights were violated. Do we even have civil rights? Are they just an illusion to keep us docile? And I thought the pen is mightier than the sword. I'm earning my degree in journalism. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to write about it. And I'm going to talk about it. And and I'm going to start that conversation. And so for the first nine months, almost a year, you know, I had an open court case. So I tread very lightly. I, I just, you know, dipped my toes in the water. I published a traditional lifestyles magazine and I had a lot of learning to do. Um, you know, I didn't, I went to school for broadcast journalism. So doing print media wasn't something that I had trained in. So I had a little bit of learning to do. When I look back at the first couple of issues of the print magazine, it's almost painful to see how, <laughs> to see what, <laughs> um, um, and, and how we've come so far. Uh, but yeah, so that, you know, after a while, after um, we closed our court case, um, you know, I got all my seized assets returned to me. I got my charges dropped. Um, you know, I, I told my story in the Emerald Magazine and I invited readers to tell me their stories because in the Emerald Triangle and certainly all over America, it's the power of numbers. You know, if you're in this game long enough, you're bound to get popped. You know, that's what some years ago and, and it was very true for my for my my case. And so I invited people to share their stories and people did. Uh, there was a lot of people in Humboldt County, in Mendocino and Trinity County that had gone through very similar life-changing experiences. And this writing about it was a sense of therapy for them. And so I wanted to have this platform for the little man, quote unquote, the little woman, you know, the person that doesn't have a microphone, the person that can't get a hold of a large media outlet to say, hey, here's my side of the story. You know, I want it to be an accessible media group for people that have been victims of the war on drugs, like myself. And so that's that's how we started. You know, eventually we rebranded into cannabis from a traditional lifestyles magazine. And, you know, we've been we published a monthly print magazine for seven, almost eight years. When the pandemic hit, we we stopped printing monthly our distribution spots at basically closed up. The dispensaries were doing curbside. So shifted a little bit, still do a print portion, but 
you know, now we've, we've really expanded into the digital space. So we do podcasts, we do videos, uh, we do articles on our website almost every day. We do a newsletter three times a week. And, you know, it really is all about promoting the cannabis industry from the inside out. And so, you know, promoting entrepreneurs, promoting minority groups in cannabis, promoting different consumer brands, really just educating people about what the cannabis industry is. And, you know, it's not the days of the devil's lettuce and it's not the days of boobs, blunts, bongs. It's <laughs> so much more than that. Now, you know, my 66 year old mother, my 66 year old father, they're into it. Um, they, they're open-minded now that it's legal and the conversation has started. They're very much open-minded to it. So it's really just about educating people that are, are in cannabis already, but those that are outside of cannabis, you know, that, that maybe still suffer from um, propaganda, I'll say, or they still have these preconceived notions of what cannabis is or what it might do to them. And they really do need someone to you know hold their hand and educate them. And so that's really our goal is to help normalize cannabis's perception for the public. So you feature stories that of people from inside the industry, what they've gone through, and you've also committed to covering really incredible women in cannabis. And I love getting your newsletter and seeing another woman's story right there at the top. It's a way to, like you just said, it normalize, but this is what you're doing is you're also normalizing seeing successful women in the industry. Do you think this drives readership and how does it benefit the Emerald? Well, the majority of our followers are women. So I think that women support women, just, you know, just like what you're doing right now, you know, we're supporting each other and, and we're, we're starting that conversation. And so, you know, as a woman founded company, my editor, Melissa, she's been with us for, I don't, I mean, I've known her since college. So at least, you know, she's been with us for at least seven years, almost eight years. It feels like she's an incredible woman in cannabis and, and she, she's out there. I mean, we're looking for other incredible women to, to help build up and to showcase like what you're saying. And so um, do I think that that's directly benefited Emerald? I don't know. Um, You know, we cover a lot of, a lot of news and politics and current events and, and, and our, our demographics have fluctuated over the years. I mean, there was a time where we were at 60% male readership, you know, and there wasn't a lot of women readers. And so I think it's just grown now where the majority of our readers are women. And I think that that's just because, you know, regardless if you're, you know, male, female, non-binary, I mean, if you're, if you're making moves, if you're doing good things for the cannabis industry and the community, I mean, that's, we want to profile that. And so it just so happens that women are amazing. And so we happen to cover a lot of articles around these amazing women and, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll continue to do so. And I think that it does like, you know, like we're both saying is, you know, help normalize, but also just build each other up and, and build up the reputation that, you know, women, women can succeed. I mean, we can, we can run industries, we can do it well, we can run companies. I mean, I've raised capital in the cannabis industry. I mean, raising capital in general is very challenging. Doing it in cannabis is even more challenging, but being a woman raising capital is extremely hard. Um, and so I, I absolutely do love, love, um, you know, holding women up and, and showcasing their, their, their stories. Um, you know, I do a podcast called capital Kathy and it's all about women that have raised capital in the cannabis industry. 
And it's a hard journey, but, you know, we do it. We're out there and, you know, we're not getting a lot of coverage for it. So, um, you know, if anyone out there has has a story like that, we would, of course, love to hear it. Oh, well, we need to start promoting that on um, through our WEIC channels. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, the I mean, I did um, I did two uh, podcasts during the pandemic. One was Capital Kathy and the other one was Girls Growing Wild. And it was all about women who grow who cultivate cannabis. So it's very lighthearted, fun show. Um, but anyone out there, I mean, I was I was even thinking about going for a cannabis uh, dispensary license here in New York. And I was thinking about starting a podcast called Girl Getting a License because there's so many women. Out yeah, there. so many women out there who have gotten a license. Let's talk about it. I love it. We should definitely share those within our community. That's, those are some amazing conversations. So let's talk about being in publishing. You are in an industry where there are actually a few other publications that are run by women. Um, Sweet Jane and Vanguard are two that come to mind. Is that common in other industries? If not, why do you think it's like that in cannabis? And then what is it like to be a woman in publishing in general, a woman publishing in cannabis? You know, it is interesting. I have noticed that there are a lot of women publishers in cannabis, which is fantastic. Edibles Magazine is founded by Bo Carpenter. She's been a longtime friend of mine. Um, I believe Broccoli is co-founded by a woman. Gossamer, I believe, is co-founded by a woman. Um, and Honeysuckle Magazine is co-founded by a woman. So you're right. I mean, there are a lot of amazing women publishing magazines in the cannabis industry. I don't know what it's actually like in other industries, I'll say. I, I think that, you know, um, Sunset Magazine, which was a wonderful magazine that I loved to read when I was living out in California, I believe that they've shifted back and forth between a male and a, a, a woman publisher. And so I'm not too sure. I My natural inclination is to tell me that it's likely more male publishers out there than than women publishers. But, you know, in the cannabis industry, I think in publishing in general, it's publishing has obviously changed a lot over the years. You know, print is not what it once was. Everyone's online now. I love print. I love to hold something in my hand. And from a marketing and advertising standpoint, the people that have the luxury of time to be able to spend time and read a magazine or read a newspaper, that's a great demographic to go after because they can stop for five to 20 minutes, read a newspaper or a magazine, and maybe they have expendable income. Maybe they have spending power. You know, they're purchasing this print medium. So it's, it's, it's really a, I, I see it as a luxury item nowadays. I, I think magazines are luxury items. Mm. And so who doesn't love a good magazine? <laughs> Out in the I love a good magazine, especially when I'm in it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, you know, you could roll your cannabis on there. You can read it. It's versatile. So it works as a fan on a hot summer day. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, I mean, just publishing in general, I think publishing a monthly magazine is very hard. You got to give props. Yeah. Um, the minute you publish, you turn right back around and you're on the next issue. It's a rinse and repeat constantly. And so I don't miss publishing monthly. That was a great relief, um, kind of a silver lining of COVID. I was like, wow, you know, I've been doing this for almost eight years. It's a lot. So, um, but quarterly, I mean, I think is a great pace to go. And and I think a lot of print magazines are quarterly. Uh, monthly is, is challenging, but I think biannual or 
quarterly or bi-monthly, I think that's that's a much, much more digestible pace than monthly. So talking about publishing, you're building a publishing empire, and that is no easy feat. So take us inside the Emerald. What is your company culture like? What is your vision for the future? And how do you plan to get there? Ooh. Um, our company culture is great. Um, I've got my editor, Melissa, who I hold near and dear to my heart. I mean, I she's a great journalist. I mean, I'm a better writer because of her. Um, and um, we have a, a group of writers um, from all over the country. I mean, I'd say the majority of us are in either California or New York. I'm in New York. Melissa's in California. And uh, we have writers all over. I mean, Colorado, Washington. Um, I've got another editor out in California, in Oakland, um, Aldoff. He's great, um, just great person all around. Um, and let's see, we have a, a, someone who helps us with their websites. So, I mean, it's a, it's a tiny but mighty team. I mean, we're not huge. We're not a 50-person staff over here. There's probably maybe 10 of us at the end of the day. Um, help in the advertising department. I'm kind of all over. I'll say, like, I'm primarily in like the advertising and the marketing side of the business, the business development, um, not really on the editorial side anymore, especially now that we've stepped back from doing a monthly print magazine where I was very heavily involved. Um, got a great graphic designer on our team who, who lays out, you know, our social media content. She does our newsletter. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's who we are. So I'd say there's probably no more than 10 of us back here. And um, for our future goals, so I think I mentioned this earlier, but um, I'm going for a cannabis retail dispensary license here in New York. Um, I live in Brooklyn, so I'm hoping to launch the Emerald Dispensary and really just continue to showcase amazing brands and to help make people's lives better through cannabis. I mean, I'm a big, big cannabis consumer, big cannabis believer in that it can change lives. I mean, I used to make Rick Simpson oil just as a passion project for people that were sick. And and I, I do believe in it. My mother's a cancer survivor. And so, you know, I want to also have, um, you know, it's been a dream of mine for years and years to kind of bring the Emerald Triangle out of the Redwood Forest and to showcase it to the rest of the United States. And so, because the cannabis and the quality and the culture and the community is just so wonderful up there. And I, and I do miss it a lot. And if I could, you know, have a, have a place, have a retail store for, you know, local New York brands to really showcase, you know, what the East coast has. And then eventually one day when we can, you know, ship across state lines to, to have products from the Emerald triangle from California um, and showcase them to people on the East coast, you know, I mean, they're, they're great products and, and I think that there's just a, a wide range of, of what people are making and how people are making stuff. And, you know, I would love to just have a, a central point where, where we can bring all of that together. And so, yeah, so that, that's it. I mean, our media group is still trucking along. We're, we're like I said, tiny but mighty. We're doing well. We've been here for 10 years. January was our 10 year anniversary. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. My father used to always say, if you can make it past two years, you're doing pretty good. So um, yeah, most businesses fail after the first two and a half years. So yeah, you're winning if you can get past that. But I want to touch on what you said about Humboldt. And for anyone listening that has never been um, and you work in the cannabis industry, it, it really is like a, 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 a coming home to the to the motherland. <laughs> um, 
I did not grow up in Humboldt. I didn't actually go to Humboldt for the first time until I was in the cannabis industry. I grew up in California, so Humboldt's been legendary. And the Emerald Triangle has certainly, you know, we all know that that's where the cannabis has come from for most of my life. But going up there as part of the cannabis industry and really experiencing firsthand the community in the Emerald Triangle, and it isn't just Humboldt, it's also Mendocino and that whole region the sense of community is unlike anything I have ever experienced before. And what I learned being up there is that that sense of community, despite all of the crap we have to deal with in the industry, regulations, politicians, corporations, that that core feeling of community and what that looks like and what is really at the heart of it is people looking out for each other, people working together that is a, a part of the fabric of this industry, whether you're in New York or Oklahoma or California. And if you have an opportunity as somebody who works in the cannabis industry to go take a trip to the Emerald Triangle, it will change you. It is, it's really a, a truly beautiful experience to be around that kind of community. So I completely understand what you're saying. And, you know, I... I love the fact that no matter what happens in this industry, we always have that sense of community as our foundation to go back to. And so it's allowing us to create different kinds of relationships than we would in a traditional industry. So I, I just, my hat is off to that. And uh, I just really want people to understand if you are in the cannabis industry, make a trek to the motherland and really learn what it's all about. Oh my gosh. You're, you're so right. I mean, it is, it's so special. It's such a special place. And I, I felt very, very, you know, privileged and lucky to have been there. I mean, I was there for almost 10 years. I went to college there. I got into the cannabis industry and trimming. That's how I got started. That's, mm. that's how the Emerald Magazine got off its feet, you know, wow. a couple trim jobs. Uh, <laughs> I'd go out to the mountain, like over the weekend, I would trim for, you know, 40 hours straight, it felt like, and then I'd come back in and I'd. I'd pay for the print magazine and I'd pay for the writers and like rinse and repeat. And, and I did that for, for a while. And then eventually when it caught on, I was like, Oh, actually I can sell advertising. That's, that's interesting. I did. I never thought of that. So no, but I mean, it, it's, it is just such a special place and, and it's gorgeous up there. I mean, the Redwood and, and I, you know, there's nothing quite like I've done a couple grow operations up there where you're, you're put out on the mountain and, you know, it might take you 45 minutes just to drive from the gate back to the property. So you are out there. Uh, that feeling of, of absolute isolation is scary at first, but you know, you're, if you do, if you're up there for a few seasons, then it's like going into town can be scary. Um, <laughs> so. But, you know, it isn't it interesting that with such intense isolation, there's also such an incredible sense of community. Yes. I mean, it, it and and it's just even now that I've been outside of the Emerald Triangle, you know, to 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 hear the plight of the farmers and how they're trying hardest to keep their heads above water and they're doing everything that they can. And, you know, I, I follow all these different forums and these different message boards and, and there are people genuinely reaching out. Hey, I have a generator. I have a backup generator. Hey, you know, the, the water main was cut here. Like I see these things and, and I have never noticed that in any other industry where people are literally 
trying to have your back and say, look, like water is low this season or, oh, the fires are raging and like, you know, X, Y, Z. And, and so I love them. <laughs> it's so <laughs> I love them. <laughs> Okay, so speaking of working together, I'm really excited to share that WEIC and the Emerald are officially collaboration partners. And you sponsored, you were one of our great sponsors for the four P's for women working in cannabis. It's pay, promote, partner, and protect. So thank you so much. Of course. And you're going to be speaking at the Women Employed in Cannabis Leadership Summit in June. Mm -hmm. So why is partnering with other women-owned companies important to you? Now we understand where this inspiration comes from. You come from a community-minded place. But why are you doing this in your company now? Why is it important to you? And do you have other collaborations that you want to share with us? Well, we are absolutely stronger together. Um, That's something that there's a group of us um, publishers that have banded together over the last few years. And, and that's something that we've said to each other is, you know, we are stronger together. Let's, let's work together to, you know, promote the cannabis industry. And so it's always been, it's always been very important here. It's always been one of the key foundations is just fair representation and bringing that conversation to the table. And so, you know, now, fortunately, I think our country um, is in a place where, you know, women's rights and equality. I mean, this isn't just something that people say in passing. This is like a constant conversation that we're now having. Um, and so, and, and it's very different. I was overseas fairly recently. And, you know, when I mentioned like being a woman run business and being woman owned, I, I got a couple chuckles for some, from some people overseas and I, it just was kind of a culture shock and it hit me and I was like, wow, you know, like that conversation's not going on over here you know, like it's going on over in the States. And so, you know, it is really important to keep to keep supporting each other. And, and so, um, one of the things that we have coming up is our live better with cannabis campaign. And that really is all about promoting consumer brands or other brands in the industry and showing people how their life can be better and, and more enhanced with cannabis by their side. You know, we know the opioid epidemic, I think affected one in four people in America and, I think the same statistic goes for alcohol is that we you know one in four individuals in America admits to, you know, over drinking at least once or twice a week. And so this campaign is really geared around just living a healthier lifestyle. And it, and it does target people that are not already in the cannabis industry, people that may not, like I said earlier, may not know about cannabis where they're, you know, it's too stigmatized for them. And so this really works around having partners in the cannabis industry, consumer brand partners, that have a product that can help people, you know, maybe wean off alcohol, you know, maybe they create like um, a hemp, a hemp tonic or something like that. There's a couple brands out there that have some some really great, you know, um, CBD and CBN and Delta eight like tonics that, you know, might help people wean off alcohol or might help people just cope with stressors, daily life stressors, you know, maybe your relationship is bothering you, maybe you're trying to cope with parenthood or be a better parent. And cannabis really helps you. So you know, we want to just bring that to the public and bring that to the surface and and show people how life is better with cannabis. And especially now that we're moving forward as a nation towards federal legalization and we're moving on to other things. You know, psilocybin has been decriminalized, uh, you know, in Oregon, um, I think in Denver, in uh, Oakland. I mean, these are things that are coming on the rise now, alternative forms uh, of 
alternative forms of medicine for for mental health, especially. And so this is this campaign, the Live Better with Cannabis campaign, is all about that. So if there are brands out there that you know this seems like it might align with your mission, you know, helping people cope with parenthood, helping people cope with the mental stressors of life, or you know, to wean off alcohol or maybe wean off uh, opioids or anything like that, if this seems like something that aligns with your mission, you know, reach out to us because. You know, we need you in order to make this successful. We need brand partners to work with us and to be able to showcase to the public, you know, how we can live better with cannabis. I love that. So you mentioned federal legalization. Obviously, that's something that is top of mind for you. It will have an impact on your business. What are you most excited about and what are you most concerned about federal legalization? So I don't know if we will have federal legalization as much as we will decriminalization, if that, um, that makes sense. So, I mean, I think that what I'm excited about is, you know, I was just talking to someone yesterday in Wisconsin and they don't even have a medical program up there. So I'm excited for people like him that, you know, doesn't have to tiptoe around or he doesn't have to drive to Illinois or he doesn't have to drive out of state to, to go get something clean that he knows is clean, that he doesn't want to, you know, buy from someone around the corner. He'd rather pay more to know that it's tested um, because, you know, he's maybe he's not the healthiest person and, and that really matters. So I'm excited for people like him that get to have this experience and get to join the rest of us in, in, in the cannabis sphere on the other side of the fence. And so yeah, that's one thing that I'm looking for. You know, I, I a concern is I don't want it to go to big corporations. I don't I don't want the Walmart of weed. I don't want the Budweiser of weed. I want the craft cannabis. I I want the the mom and pop farmers, not just in the Emerald Triangle, but all over America. I want them to have an opportunity. You know, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I love entrepreneurialism. I I want everyone to have an opportunity to have that dream, start their company, be successful, you know, and, and to, and to do it and, and to love what they do. You know, there's nothing worse than dreading going to work, you know, and, and oh, I have to do this, you know, 40 hours this week and, you know, rinse and repeat for next week. And so my concern is that, you know, money talks and, and money can buy people. And I don't want, you know, big corporations coming in and, taking up all the opportunity for everybody else that has worked so hard, the pioneers, you know, everyone listening to this podcast, you, myself, like people that have been doing this for years and building this industry and, you know, and, and just making it into what we want. My fear is that, you know, that can get taken away from us, you know, by, by big wallet swinging corporations. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, so, that's my biggest fear. My biggest hope is that, you know, we can finally all enjoy it in peace and not worry about getting arrested or having to pay a fine, you know, pay the man more money. You know, it's that I would love to get out of that, that fear stage. Completely agree. What are you looking forward to in 2022? I think what I'm, I'm personally looking forward to is, you know, New York rolling out their, their cannabis program. I think that's something that we're all looking forward to. The governor just signed off regulations for cultivation um, to give the green light to the hemp farmers um, a couple weeks ago and or a week ago, uh, depending on when this airs. <laughs> and <laughs> and so, I, yeah, I'm excited. You know, it's it's funny when I when we were going through this in California. I don't know. I, I must have been like just caught up with cultivating on the hill. I was doing the magazine. I wasn't as like. 
I'd say aware or conscious, but then now having gone through it in California and now going through it in New York, there are certain things that I am like looking for or looking after, or, you know, am aware of now more so than I had been in California. So I'm really eager to see how they roll it out. And, and I have high hopes and high expectations for New York. I think, I hope they're going to do a good job. You know, I, I want them to do a good job. I hope they do. I hope they build an equitable industry. I hope they're leaders for the rest of the United States. You know, we look at California and it's like, they're struggling and the taxes and, and we look at Oregon and it's like overproduction. And I remember when I was in California, it's like the price of the pound in Oregon had gone down to like $400 and that doesn't help anyone, you know? So it's just like, let's, let's, let's have a state like hit it out of the park, you know? And, and I think every state has, has done great things and, and different states could have done things differently. And, you know, I, I think New York is, a leader in the United States and a lot of people look to New York. And so I, I hope they do a good job. I will be waiting in the wings. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's really promising. Do you think that women are getting a lot of support in the New York market? Is there a level playing field for them? I feel like the women of New York have a, a voice and it's heard. And, and I felt that way about California as well. I don't know if I felt that way about like Washington or Colorado, um, but I don't know. I, I didn't really live there. So it was hard to say, but I do feel like there are a lot of events going on here that are geared towards women. We just sponsored one, I think two weeks ago. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'd say there's a lot of, yeah, I mean, I, yes, yes. I would say that women have a voice in New York. Um, the men have a voice too, but I I'd say there's a lot of, uh, activism going on in New York, especially from, from different women and different organizations that just support women. Um, you know, this, this group, uh, the other week that reached out to us to contribute some magazines, you know, it was, it was a guy who reached out to us, but he was putting on a, a woman's event. You know, I think that's fantastic. Oh yeah. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that you want us to know about Emerald, about you before we go? You know, I mean, the only thing that I'll say is I, I want people to feel like they can reach out to us. I want people to, you know, reach out and tell us your story or tell us about someone else who deserves to be promoted. You know, I mean, this company started, the idea of this company started in a jail cell. So anything is possible. And, you know, it takes an amazing industry, an amazing community um, that lets us do what we do. So, you know, it's our job to promote you. So if you or someone you know deserves to, you know, have some recognition, you know, maybe they have overcome some, ex some hardship, you know, maybe they've got cancer in their family or maybe they got out of prison, um, you know, or maybe they, they're just great at supporting others or teaching others. Maybe they're a nurse or a doctor Whatever the story is, you know, I mean, reach out to us. If you go to the emeraldmagazine.com, there's a there's a place where you could submit a message. Just, you know, reach out, tell us your story. We want to know. That's that's our job. So uh, I just want to throw that out there to the community. And, and we also have a conscious consumption series. So if you're a, a minority founded, if you run a minority founded business, you own a minority founded business, you should be on our list. You know, we have conscious consumption, 100 plus Black founded, Indigenous founded, Latinx founded, LGBTQ founded. We're working on women founded now, you know, cannabis businesses to support now. So if you feel like you belong on one of those lists, please reach out to us. Let's get you on there. You know, it's all about supporting the community. It's, I mean, this is what makes it grow. This is how we've gotten here so far. 
So. So let's talk about the other side real quick before we go. There's the feature side where you are promoting these women, which is one of the four P's. And then, but there is also the other side, there's the ad side. And that's speaking to brands. A lot of times I think brands feel like an advertising budget, especially when they're smaller, is absolutely out of the question or may not be effective for them. Can you just touch on that really quickly, what the Emerald offers to uh, those that do buy ad space, is it affordable and does it work? I like to think that our rates are very affordable, very competitive. I've seen cannabis groups out there that charge $10,000 for their back cover of the magazine. And we're just not like that. Um, what we do with our, with our partners is that we create a package. You know, if you have a budget, if your budget's 500, if it's 5,000, we can create a partnership package, which gets you that return on your investment. The one thing I will say is that if you're not advertising, your competition is. And if you're suffering from budget cuts, do not cut your advertising budget. How will people find you? They're not going to find you if you're not putting yourself out there. So consider that. I know that people tend to cut their marketing budget first, like during the pandemic. That's not the best move because how will people find you if you're not advertising yourself? I mean, you could do all the self-promotions, you know, through your own social media platform. But unless if you're linking up with other brands or you're doing partnerships or giveaways or something innovative, you know, you're just kind of a sitting duck. And so... Um, repetition is key with advertising. That's something that you also need to keep in mind is if you're going to do a one run, there's your return. You really need to keep up with it. You know, run that ad for three months instead of, you know, I always encourage minimum 90 days, do it for 90 days. If you're not happy, if you don't see a return, if no one's reached out to you and said, Hey, I saw your campaign, then you can change things up. Um, but repetition is key. And, you know, if you have a set budget, just approach them. I think people, what people don't realize when it comes to advertising and marketing is that it is negotiable. You can say like, look, I, I have this budget. I really want all of these you know, five things. Can you do it for this rate? And I'd say for most media outlets, they'll probably work with you. Um, some of them might say, no, we're not going to work with you, but that's unlikely. People want to do business with each other, especially in the cannabis industry. So you know, I mean, just approach whoever it is you're looking to work with. And if you have a set budget, then just, you know, be transparent about it and see how they could work with you. And, um, you know, I, again, like I'd say repetition is key. So keep it up for at least 90 days and go from there. That's really great advice, ladies. If you have a brand and you're considering advertising, but you thought it was out of reach, reach out to Christina, let her know what your budget is see if she can work with you, you might be surprised. Thank you for making that uh, opportunity available to us, Christine. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay. So I know you mentioned your website, but can before we go, will you please give us where women can reach you or the Emerald for more information? Absolutely. So our website is theemeraldmagazine.com. So three words all spelled out very long. And you could reach me directly at editor at theemeraldmagazine.com. You could send it to info at the Emerald, advertising at the Emerald. You could go to theemeraldmagazine.com and, and submit a message through our forum there. Um, anyone is welcome to call our office. Our number is 707-840-5508. And yeah, you know, reach out. Sometimes people call just to get our opinions on things. And so, you know, I mean, we, we welcome everyone and, and we love to have conversations with everyone. So feel free to reach out. Thank you so much, Christina, for your time and for sharing your journey with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been wonderful. 
Ladies, thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't yet joined the Women Employed in Cannabis community, go to weicwomen.com. There you'll find all the details on membership for women working in cannabis. WEIC is a community that provides networking, mentoring, and support to women working in cannabis in the U.S., Canada, and around the world where there's an interest in cannabis legalization. We welcome women who are currently working in cannabis or curious about taking a leap into the industry. Consider becoming a WEIC woman member or WEIC business member for benefits and access across the network. And join us again for another conversation with women leading in cannabis. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.